on this episode of Progressive Palaver, the group discusses the King's X albums Ogre Tones and Fifteen. and welcome to Progressive Palaver, a group of lifelong friends and appreciators of music discussing the greatest progressive rock bands, album by album. I'm Joe Beauclair, and on this episode, I'm joined by my very good friends, Paul Zotter and Tom Corcoran, as we finish up our discussion of the King's X catalog with the last two studio albums, Ogre Tones and Fifteen. take some time here and finish up King's X, gentlemen, if you don't mind. Yeah. Fantastic. All right. So this evening, we would like to uh, to finish up our King's X discussion by considering the final two albums in the discography. That would be Ogre Tones, released in 2005. Um, listed producer is Michael Wagner. Uh, label was Inside Out Music. The band lineup was Doug, Ty, and Jerry in their normal... Um, roles and then um 2008's 15 that's roman numeral 15 xv also produced by michael wagner and also released on inside out music again with the same lineup so that's what we have in front of us gentlemen i I guess you know when you look at this you know obviously You know, I'm, I'm thinking about sort of the, the general arc, if you will, and, you know, where we've been recently. And obviously, Mr. Bulbous, you know, the Metal Blade years where they had sort of free reign to do what they will. And, you know, they they self-produced or tie produced and they, you know, sort of stretched out a little bit. And um, and then they released Black Like Sunday and we spent a lot of time discussing you know, what exactly that was all about and, you know, what was the motivation behind that, which, you know, I I definitely don't know. Um, But it it, it obviously was sort of a departure from the arc in in a lot of ways. And then you've got these two albums, which were released, you know, three years apart, produced by the same guy, released on the same label. And, you know, I think there's, there's a lot of commonality in between these two albums as I was, as I was going through them, but you know, it, you know, my overall feeling and and it it was kind of weird and the Goldilocks reprise aside, there were moments in both of these albums where you, you started to sort of hear echoes of, of the Gretchen days um, a little bit. Obviously it's, it's different because they're different musicians. Um, you know, their, their sound is totally different. The songs that these pieces were in were totally different, but you could start to sort of hear that a little bit, but at the same time, it's still very much, you know, what I would call, although granted it's, you know, 10, 12 years old at this point, you know, at least at the time, 
contemporary King's X. I mean, this is who they were. So, you know, I, I, I found myself enjoying these albums. I, I don't know, you know, I hadn't really listened to them before we started this and I don't own them um, yet. I probably will keep my, my eye out for them. And, um, you know, I, I just, I found it to be sort of a pleasant way to end this segment of the palaver. I wasn't blown away. I wasn't knocked off my chair. I wasn't completely offended. Um, I was just pleased. So, I mean, what do you guys think about these two albums? You want to go first, Paul? I'll let you go first, Tom. All right. Well, um, my thoughts on these two albums, uh, you know, I was almost, I mean, I had been listening to uh, 15 before, uh, you know, a lot more than um, Overtones. Um, and when, when I got to Overtones, I was almost relieved I was almost relieved that I didn't like it because I was starting to be like, Jesus, King's X, are these, these like gods? <laughs> like, I mean, it's everything. Because I was really enjoying, really enjoying all these albums that I even thought I didn't really like too much, you know, back when they were released. And I was just like, sure. am I, is it just me? Like, just, um, am I not being critical enough with these guys? Because I'm, I'm just really loving everything. Except for Black Like Sunday, which you know we've already talked about, but um, for the real releases, um, Ogre Tones is is definitely my least favorite. Again, not including Black Like Sunday, um, because I, I think like where Manic had some new elements and you know brought in some samples and you know sort of went you know at least uh, made an attempt to go into uh, a different direction. Um, Ogre Tones was sort of like, you know, King's X 101, but it was just like C+, like a C-plus album that it was like everything that we kind of know we know and expect about a King's X album, but just nothing that would really blow me away. And so um, I guess I thought a lot about, you know, now that we're coming to the end of the uh, King's X chapter, uh, palaver i was you know, i've been thinking a lot about you know the order of which i would uh you know rate all these and uh i i would say um you know i would respectfully put ogre tones in the bottom not because it was a horrible cd um there was nothing on here that i just was repulsed by um and there's nothing. I mean, well, I mean, Goldilocks is, you know, the whole thing is kind of weird. But anyway, we, we can talk about that. We'll, we'll get um, to that. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah. Um, the, you know, there, there was basically two songs. There was only two songs on Ogretones that I really found myself liking and that would really um, find myself getting excited over. And those are mud and uh, honesty. And mud, I, I just uh, I love it. I mean, it's just it's sort of like this grungy ballad, and you're sort of like uh, kind of in the vein of Goldilocks. It's just like sort of like this heavy power ballad in a King's X way that's just done so originally and has so much heart in it. And um, 
you know, it, it just, it really makes you want to just, after you're finished the song, go back and listen to it all over again immediately. And um, uh, a song, uh, Honesty, um, Ty Tabor, and I was going to bring this up when we talk more about 15, but um, it makes me want to explore Ty Tabor's solo uh, uh, solo recordings more. Um, because there's a lot, and there's a lot of this stuff in 15 when we get to it that really I was really excited about. Um, so uh, I was, you know, it's a breath of fresh air when I when I hear a song like Honesty. It was like, it's a really good song, and it sort of um, um, makes me want to hear more. Uh, so you know, without completely trashing it, you know, the whole CD, um, you know, those are the really the only two songs that I found myself. Uh, um, getting excited over and you know what I think that's a damn good record for the band as far as you know my what I um, love and 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 maybe don't love about King's X I mean that's a pretty damn good record um, so I mean I I'm just I found myself um, during this whole King's X chapter having so much more of an appreciation for King's X and um you know, even though I'm not a big fan of Ogre Tones, um, you know, I've now that we're you know getting toward the end here, I was um, I at least have something that I can put down at the bottom. <laughs> and, uh, and for me, that would be Ogre Tones. And again, I'm not even going to put Black Like Sunday in this. To me, they only have 14 um, because of what we had talked about previously. But um, and just the uh, nature of uh, what Black Like Sunday is. So, uh, for me, Mud and, and, and Honesty are right up there, uh, the best of, 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 of King's X. And the rest, I could probably just, you know, do without. And that's probably the only CD that I could um, give, um, you know, a sort of a me mediocre uh, review for i realize i liked manic more than you guys did but um you know i i i just really was not thrilled with overtones yeah you know this is great stuff tom i'm really glad that you you actually went first because i think when i think about the King's X albums, Ogretones was never, ever on my radar. Like, I don't even remember it coming out. Like, it was, I remember seeing it on Spotify and I was like, oh, this is a while ago. I was like, when did, when did this happen? When did this song album happen? And yet I never had any interest ever to go back and listen to it strangely. And, um, and so going into this, you know, I had listened to it once or twice before this exercise, and and going into it, I fully expected to not like it. But the funny part is, is that, you know, in my Spotify list, obviously Manic Moonlight, when it, when that ends, it goes right into Overtones. So, because you know the albums are alphabetical, and. By the you know I, I mentioned before that Manic Moonlight for me was hit or miss. I either loved it or just didn't like it. And by the end of it, I you know it's kind of you know the the experimentation with the, the drum loops and everything just kind of wears on me a little bit. And so as overtones would start, 
I would be really, I was always really impressed with like just the aggressiveness of, of the record. And when I go through and listen to it, I, I can't find anything that I don't like about it. Like the guitars sound great. The drums sound great. The songs are, are smartly written. They're, they're all, most of them are less than five minutes long. The vocals are more aggressive and the vocals are a little more more challenging and more upfront than in their previous two efforts. And yet, when I think about this album, it's just sort of vanilla for me. And it, I, I never think, oh, you know what, I'm going to go and listen to Overtones today. I never have that urge. And it's it's really strange for me to to think about why why that is. And... I think you sort of mentioned it, Tom it, and, and Joe, both of you. It, it sort of harkens back to their earlier, their earlier sound. And I think in the discussions that we've had on Palaver about all of these bands and how there is this arc of creativity and exploration, and you know, sometimes you have albums that kind of dip and they're not great, but you can hear the the seeds being planted of other things, and then then they kind of come out the other side and they evolve to a different place and i feel like if mr bulbous and manic manic moonlight were the sort of the the pupa right of their of their experimentation when they emerged to ogre tones they didn't really get anywhere they just kind of were back to basics and although I although I like that, I like like I said, there's hardly anything on this album that I can really point at and say, "Oh, this really rubbed me the wrong way," except maybe some of Bebop. Um, yeah, <laughs> but I, you know, it just kind of comes across as, yeah, this is King's X, right? I I almost would rather go back and listen to Gretchen or Faith Hope Love or King's X or. And, and I think part of it is also, I'm not sure who mentioned this the last time, but it is also partly that by now, the rest of the music world has, if you will, caught up to King's X. And now them being King's X is kind of sounding like everyone else is sounding at this time. And, and it, they're, they're, they kind of get... I don't know. There's just something. It becomes it becomes vanilla. It's it's no longer this amazing new taste or amazing new flavor of music. It is kind of just mixed in with everything else. And I totally agree with you, Tom. Honesty, that song is is um. It was the only song as I was listening to that made me want to like. Oh, I want to hear that one again, right? And it definitely harkened to me. Harkened back to like the sounds of the difference and legal kill. And um, mm. I think the vocals are tremendous on that. They, I feel like they really, really pushed on the vocals. Right. So right. one question that I have with regards to this, because, you know, one of the things that sort of, and I don't know why it struck me with these two, um, because I'm, I'm sure it's been more or less consistent throughout but I, the question that I have, and I don't know if anyone knows this, when when King's X are writing songs, 
is whoever sings the song writing the lyrics, generally speaking, do we know this? I uh, always assume so, but I, I can't tell you that for a fact. Yeah, I mean, I, that, that's what I would assume as well, but I, I just don't know. Um, but, it, you know, it was just, I, I, was, I was sort of paying attention to the songs that Ty would sing, and I was just, I was, for whatever reason, I was wondering about the lyrics, and I was wondering where they came from, and I don't know the answer. I, I watched on a video, I think we talked about this before too, right? So before Tapehead, you know, they always brought full demos to to the the um, the band. So someone would have a full demo and they would basically just learn the demo and 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 they would do it that way. And so I know that for Tapehead Mr. Bulbous and I'm assuming Manic Moonlight that they came into the session and just wrote songs together. And I think for some reason that equated to Doug singing more on those, on those tunes. But, but clearly there are songs where I, you know, I, I'm assuming that maybe Ty had the idea for them or whatever. And so he sang them. So I'm, I'm a guessing that whoever wrote the lyrics did the, did the, uh, did the vocals, but I don't know that I've ever heard them say any of that. Okay, I just didn't know. I I have a little bit of a theory about about some of that though, and I don't know if if you want to talk about. It. I think one of the most exciting things to talk about with with overtones, at least, is is the producer Michael Wagner. What do we know about Michael Wagner? Anything? I, I don't know anything about. So you know more about Michael Wagner than than you believe. Really? Um, he it was a giant in the eighties. Uh, metal bands. So um, I'm just going to list some of the things. He was the mixer on Balls to the Wall by Accept. He was the uh, producer for Breaking the Chains by Dokken. Mixed, Tooth and Nail, produced Under Lock and Key. Produced Extremes Pornography. Uh, produced Great White's Great White. Um, he mixed Master of Puppets. Uh, he mixed Too Fast for Love by Motley Crue, uh, mixed Ozzy's No More Tears, um, produced and mixed and engineered Skid Row's self-titled debut album, which was No Slouch, uh, as well as um, many others, including producing White Lion's Pride um, and their follow-up, Big Game. Uh, also worked with you know Testament, Striper, uh, Raven, uh, just the list goes on and on of of these um, 80s bands. So, like, he is definitely a force to be reckoned with, and I definitely approve of the sound of this, of Ogretones and 15 over Bulbous, actually pretty much anything since Ear Candy. Um, but there, there's a little blurb on Wikipedia, and I won't read the whole thing, but it basically talks about his belief that psychology is a big part of getting results out of musicians. And he talks a little bit about how you have to kind of work with, like, some people don't want to be produced. They want to think that all their ideas are themselves. And he says sometimes you have to push bands to try to produce their own albums for them to find out that they need a producer. So when you think about that, and you think about the fact that King's X, you know, basically self-produced what their last three albums or two albums. Um, 
you know, he comes in and I, I, for me, at least what I, the vocals are one of the biggest differences in, in this album, they're pushed. Like even in that song, honesty, like, I feel like they are being pushed to do their vocals better than they have in their previous few efforts. And I think that is, I think that's Michael Wagner. I think that is an outside force coming to them and saying, you guys need to do your vocals. That's what's so great. You got Push and Tie to do some of the falsetto in, mm. in um, Honesty, because you don't really hear that in a lot of other things that they've done. No, and, you don't. And they, they really were backed off of that, I think, in their in their previous efforts, like Manic Moonlight, vocals are there for sure. Bulbous, they're there. I mean, the vocals are always present, but I don't think they're as a big a part as of the music as they are in Ogretones. And, and, and I have to think that it is in part Michael Wagner pushing them um, to deliver that. And so I, I think it's, a good, it's, a, it's good timing for him to come in it is a shame, you know, that he comes in at a time where that, you know, they've they've opened up the pupa and they're just kind of going back to old school kind of things. And and even though that he's pushing them to get the best sound, I don't necessarily know that any of these songs are are pushing any boundaries of of creativity. And that may be a little harsh because let's face it, Joe, like or Tom, you said like. You know, this is King's X, right? By now, the expectations are so freaking high for them that it's almost like, why would they ever even go in and do another album, right? Because how could we ever be satisfied with with anything they come up with when we're compare when we compare in innately? I'm going to compare everything to Gretchen Goes to Nebraska the first time I listen to it, right? And that's just not fair. Sure. So. Well, Go ahead. Um, this is interesting, Paul, because one of the things that I wanted to bring up, I didn't didn't have too much to say about um, uh, ogre, but uh, the one of the, pro, the one of the, the probably the biggest problem I had was the video for alone, and I don't, I don't know if you guys have seen it, but. No. I have not. It's absolutely ridiculous. It has really? strippers in it. Now, don't get me wrong. I love hey, it. wait a second. I'm going to look but, it up right now. But it's just not King's X. And I wonder if that's uh, uh, Mr. Wagner's doing. Um, and because they're just really out of place. You have, the King, you have King's X that are playing, and then you have these cheesy, like, you know, girls that are dancing on poles and stuff. And you're like, what? It just it's very out of place. So I'm wondering if the um, influence, if you will, from this producer had something to do with that, because, you know, as much as I, you know, you know, don't mind looking at a pretty woman, the, the, it's just very out of place. And I think maybe he was like, eh, you got to have uh, you got to show some skin, you know, in your video, just like, you know, all the, you know, 80s videos. So I'm wondering if that was was his doing, or wow. you know, whose decision it was to have 
just women coming out of the blue. I mean, alone doesn't have anything to do with, you know, strippers. I mean, it's sort of a, it's a good message. Actually, <laughs> the song has a great message. Well, so as you're saying this, I'm, I, I queued up the video That's and it's like, like I'm, I'm sitting here and it's like at 48 seconds, all of a sudden out of nowhere, there is, there's like, there's like a chick dancing on the video. Like they've well, cleared it out. Worse. There's like multiple girls, and it just has. And then there's one on the, fl the floor. It's 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 yeah. interesting. I, know, I think that's an episode at, title right listen, there. If you're listening to uh, you know wingers, you know seventeen, you're expecting to see you know a girl in the video, or you know it doesn't really bother me in like a white snake video or something. But in this video, it's really <laughs> offensive. I mean, if you could, I mean, it's incredible that you could actually offend me with a. A hot woman. Oh. I mean, but it's, so, in this video, it's just completely out of the blue, and it's not like King's X to do this. And I'm just wondering if this if this guy Wagner, it was his two cents to do something like this, and if it was, it was in poor taste. That's but, all I really have to say about that. But does a producer have anything to do with with videos after the fact? I mean, after the I mean, not necessarily, but he could be an influence. I mean, if he's a respected producer, and he, you know, he's obviously respected, you know. Yeah, it certainly could be. Uh, you know, the producer sometimes is the one who decides what singles are going to go out, and um, and all of that stuff. However, um, let me just double check. So I want to say that, and I don't know. Uh, I wanted to say that this company. There is, there's so little information on, yeah. So I guess one of the things, and I don't know that we covered this, but this, after their other albums, I think they were on Metal Blade prior to this. So now they joined Inside Out Music Label, which is just another no-name label, you know, signing bands like King's X. Um, but... Uh, you know, it could have been them too. It could have been them saying, "We want to get you know people watching videos." Um, it's a pretty sparse video. There, there's not a lot going on. Um, they, I guess, they spent most of their money on modeling fees. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna put, I'm gonna put this link on the episode notes in Facebook. It's worth it just for the comments of um, of of what it is. Like one guy says, you know, even a cheesy video is good when it's King's X. Another guy says, I love this band, but what the F is up with these girls in the video? Um, yeah. It's totally out of character. One guy says, even Doug was confused about why they put chicks in this video. <laughs> it is, it's really, really funny. So uh, I'll put this, I'll put this in there. Uh, and once again, I have to say, like, even listening to this, I mean, it's, it's a rocking tune. Like, you can't say anything bad about it. Yeah, I, I I really um I really enjoyed alone when I when I started to get into this. So, while I don't disagree with with anything you guys have said, and, and Paul, I, I really like sort of your your take on you know the influence in this particular case of of Michael Wagner. You know, certainly among other things, pushing them perhaps vocally, and and you know that may explain some of the. Um, sort of some of the cues that I picked up on, you know, listening to this, which is all, all well and good, except it leaves you with the sort of the, the head scratcher 
of what the fuck is this Goldilocks mess? Yeah. You know, I, I, and, and, and here's, here's sort of what I struggle with because, you know, for me, and, and, and I said this way back in the beginning of the, of the King's X section and, and Paul, you said it here tonight, everything you hear from King's X, the very first thing you're going to do is compare it to Gretchen. Gretchen and, and out of the silent planet for me define the very essence of King's X and it's sort of been, you know, a, a winding road from there. However, yep. at the same time, you know, it's it's we've we spent a lot of time talking about it that the band didn't like that sound. So, I'm, you know, for, you know, 20 odd years I've been in love with a sound that the by their own admission, the band doesn't itself like and maybe isn't quote-unquote true King's X, which, you know, makes me feel a little bad about that. And it also makes me wonder, you know, for all the shit that we gave Sam Taylor, for my money, Sam Taylor was doing a lot of stuff really, really right with this band. Yeah. You know, he, he may have screwed them over on a lot of other, you know, areas, but in terms of, of producing the records... I, I just I think they're timeless, and 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 I don't know what to do with that. And so when I hear this this Goldilocks, that is, you know, to me a pale imitation of of the original. In fact, the only thing that even comes close to retaining the power of the original is is the guitar solo. Everything else is like a, it's just a shade. Yeah. Yeah. This is oh, sorry, Joe. Go ahead. I just I, I don't know I don't know what to do with all of this, and it's it's funny um, that it it doesn't it doesn't fit in with you know everything else on this album. It's it's weird. I, I just don't know. Yeah, I'll tell you what you should do with it, Joe. You should go to Disney World. That's what I'm going to go to Disney. <laughs> so for for me i i don't know if we've talked about this before but there's a video that i will include on the notes of an interview that they did and the band i think doug tells the story that and he relates a story and i don't know that this is factual that that aerosmith's dream on was recorded and and released and i think it was maybe in an you know maybe it was it was out in an unreleased fashion in some shape or form. And then they finally put it on whatever album they put it on uh, later. And it became, you know, this giant big hit. And they had somehow concocted this idea that everybody loves Goldilocks. That's the song that everyone wants to hear when they were playing live. And they thought, well, you know, maybe if that's the best song that we've ever done, if that's the song that connects with the most people, like maybe we put it out again because let's face it by 2005 you know out of the silent planet may as well be a non an unreleased album right and and so they decided to to redo it and and put it on the record and they even said in this interview that it didn't work that they should have never done it what they should have done was they should have just re-released the original single absolutely um, in, in its own form because by this point in time i'm pretty sure they are in, they are tuned down a whole step. 
if not if not two hold steps. So right now, when you see Kings X Live, they are tuned down two hold steps, which means when they play an open E chord, they are playing actually an open C chord, right? And and they do drop D, which is actually drop B flat, basically. Um, so they're actually, you know, they basically are, are playing a fifth below standard tuning at this point. And, and so when you listen to Goldilocks, it sounds, and this is the experience. It's funny when you go, when I see them live now, it is rocking. Like, I love it. Like, I cannot wait to see King's X again. And I'm still not ruling out a potential trip to Dallas in January to see them. Even though, okay. even though at this moment it seems ridiculously unlikely, but <laughs> you never know. You never know. Um, but every time I see them, I love it. I I don't ever regret seeing them. I love these guys, and they give it their all every night, and their fans are there for them every single time, and it's awesome. Whenever you see somebody post a video from one of their shows, it sounds so weird because. It is just so low. You know, the, uh, Flies in Blue Sky is my favorite example because it's just that low arpeggiated guitar. And um, you don't really feel it when you're seeing them live. It's more like when you get the recording and you're listening to everything else in, in regular tuning and, it, and it's really low. So I think that's a big problem with it here. We're so programmed to know what Goldilocks sound like and you're hearing it, you know, you're hearing it at least a whole step, maybe two whole steps lower than than what it really should be and it, and it and it just doesn't work but i think they had the best intention intentions by it but probably should have just re-released their old single well and, and didn't didn't def leppard have a similar thing with what was it bringing on the heartbreak from what was yeah it? Dry? absolutely I know, dry. it was like on through the night or something there was like a really i drive yes on Through the Night had Wasted on it, which is another great Def Leppard song. Oh, there you go. Okay. And, and probably some other good ones, too. But yes, Joe, they re-released it in between Pyromania and Hysteria. Right. Yeah. Actually, I, did you guys ever hear the original version of Here I Go Again? Yes. It's on, it's on a really early White Snake, yeah. correct? Yep. Yes. So he, he did the same thing. Yeah, have you ever heard the original version of "Crying in the Rain"? It's a it's a hoot. <laughs> oh, I I haven't heard that. No. <laughs> but um, I'm sorry, Joe. Were you saying something? I was not. Oh, um, yeah. I, luckily, I had heard that same thing, Paul. That that same video, uh, the interview. And I sort of forgave them before I even got a chance to listen to it. And <laughs> because I knew why they did it. And it made yeah. sense to me that they did it. It was like, this is a band who really has nothing to lose at this point. Yeah. Because they have a great song. And, you know, they've done a lot of things to try to open up new, new listeners, a new fan base. And, you know, I was sort of with them as to why they did it. And uh, when I heard it, it was like, you know, uh, obviously I was not thrilled with it. But it, it wasn't really that offensive because it didn't really sound 
they didn't like try to do. Remember that ridiculous version of uh, "Every Breath You Take" that the you know police did, um, or was that it? "Every Breath You Take" was it? Yeah, yeah, it was "Every Breath You Take" the two, 1984 version or whatever. I mean, it wasn't like they com- completely redid the song, um, or you know they did what you know modern English did with their you know whatever that song was, and they re-released it and they just did something completely offensive. Um, this was, I think they were, they wanted to just re-record it and give it the same heart, or at least attempt to give it the same heart and feel as the original. And it wasn't really that different. And, you know, there's obviously some changes to it, but, um, if I, I think if I hadn't have, if, if I didn't listen to that interview and I just heard it. I probably would have gone off on some sort of tangent and, um, you know, it would probably wouldn't have been uh, called for. <laughs> so I'm, <laughs> I'm glad that I, that I heard that first because, you know, it, it is what it is. And I was, I was able to forgive him for that. I'm, I, I have to say, man, I'm, I, I'm not able to forgive him for that whole video for a loan though that's did every time i think about that i'm just like what are these guys doing i don't know what i want to talk to them and be like okay what were you guys thinking well so. you know it it is interesting that that and, and you characterized that perfectly tom like you, you know when you understand what their frame of mind was you're just like okay fine no harm no foul um i can go back and listen to the original goldilocks anytime i like right so and and I, but I think it's indicative of where they are at the time. Wherever whatever's happening, they are sort of out of the realm of okay, we're in Metal Blade. They're just like do whatever you want, have fun. We we love you guys. And I think they they are back into a situation where they're looking to expand their fan base. They're looking to try to you know grow a little bit out out in the in the market and. And they're doing a couple different things to try to do it. They're putting an old track on there that hopefully will will excite people. And they're uh, you know, and they're letting someone you know, or they're, or you know, they're they're allowing the video to be what it is because you know maybe in two thousand and five, that's what it takes to get a couple of extra fans. Uh, you know, who knows? It's 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 hard to tell. Um, or maybe they know. just didn't give a shit. Maybe they just wanted to make the record, and the and the, the record company said, "Hey, we're going to give you this great video," and they're like, "Yeah, whatever, great." Yeah, you know, right, right. Because hey, listen, it, anytime anyone wants me to play one of my songs all day, while models like parade around me, I'm fine with that. I'm happy to do it. <laughs> well, just make sure if you do a video for Sentimental that I I can at least be there so I can see this going on. Absolutely, dude. <laughs> well, right. We're going to bring the whole rig out to you. You don't even have to. We'll come to you. How's right. that? Super. Super. Okay, so do we need to go through the songs individually here? Or do we just, oh. have we just kind of covered overtones as it is? I think we're I, good. I, will, I want to make one last quick little pointless comment here. I made I made sort of the snide remark in one of our earlier episodes that uh, the the name Ogre Tones just kind of pissed me off because it was mm-hmm. another one of these gosh aren't we clever type deals, mm-hmm. um, and so I was 
you know, I, I was surprised that I didn't despise Ogre Tones um, simply because of the title. So there's that. <laughs> cool. You know, as, as is often the case, I, I'm, ha I'm always happy, not always, sometimes I'm very, well, I'm always happy to talk about these records, but many times I'm happy to talk about them because I'm just anxious to get through them and get to the next thing. And yet, when we're done talking about them, all I want to do is go back and listen. And I, I know that's what's going to happen tomorrow. I'm going to wake up and I'm going to be like, I'm going to listen to Overtones. <laughs> <laughs> well, I did that with uh, Manic last time we talked about it. I went back and listened to it. Yeah. So that that brings us to then 15, and this will uh, you know this will close out the the official portion of King's X. Right. I do think before we get into 15, um, I'll just you know sort of set the stage. I, I like this idea that we sort of come across where after we finish a section of letting some time go by and then sort of going back and revisiting it. Um, we obviously did, did it with the Merillion Award Show. Um, Ken has proposed the Yes, Lessons Learned episode, which I'm looking very much forward to. And so to that end, Tom, I think we should, for King's X, we should take your idea. I think it was your idea. Yours or Paul's, one of them, doesn't matter. And, and sometime, you know, in, in a few weeks, come back and do our, our force ranking show of mm. all of the, the official studio albums, however many we decide are, are worthy to be considered. And we can we can sort of relive um, King's X that way. And if it happens to occur, you know, around the time when Paul shows up in Dallas or Houston or Austin to see King's X, <laughs> <laughs> so I'm, you know, we'll we'll just we'll put that out there. I think that that might be something fun to do. But uh, great. But uh, also, in addition uh, to I that, I also like to do an uh, an episode of solo stuff um because oh. i know we talked about doing stuff with fish and all that but um i i very much looking forward to that but uh i, I think it would be uh, a fun episode to go back and because uh, they've been doing a lot of solo stuff lately i mean i mean there's a lot of stuff to, to go over i mean depending on you know uh, the actual content of it. I don't know if we can do it in one episode or not, but I mean, we might be able to do it in one episode. But uh, I would definitely like to talk about that at some point. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, that brings up another point, Tom, that I had thought earlier. I'm glad you reminded me. You guys had mentioned, you know, Thai solo stuff, and it's, it's amazing as we have been going through this exercise um, of, of the palaver and, and you know we talked about Marillion and we've talked about yes and now we've talked about King's X um, you know a lot of these records you know I've, I've listened to so much and I know these bands pretty well even though there have been things about them that I've discovered through this exercise and yet at the same time very infrequently am I inspired to hair off and listen to solo stuff I, Paul, I don't even know how many albums John Anderson has. I hadn't really, you know, paid attention to Elias the Sun Hillow. I've owned it, but I haven't listened to it in probably 20 years. Um, and that's the only one. I think I've got another one that he released in the late 80s, which is a piece of garbage. But I don't know anything else. Um, you know, I, I've, I've never listened to any of 
of the the King's X solo stuff. I've you know I've never listened to any of you know the stuff Bill Bruford did or or Steve Howe or any of that. It's just it's it's fascinating. So you know yeah I'm 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 all for it. Yeah, um, it's just I, it, it I find it interesting that under normal circumstances I'm not uh, I'm not inspired to to do that on my own. Yeah, I mean, and even the other guys in Marillion, I know uh, Pete has a lot of stuff, uh, a lot of bands, and, um, you know, Hogarth has a lot of stuff. And I'm yeah. sure some of it's actually decent, you know? I mean, I just haven't heard it, so I wouldn't mind going back to a lot of that stuff. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, we'll, we, well, we can we can be doing this for the next decade, honestly, and uh, which is cool with me. I'm, I'm down. Cool. Well, so... Um, so anything about 15, generally speaking? It sounds like, you know, this this has been more widely accepted or more more generally accepted by you guys, fair to say? Um, I, I mean, if I might, uh, uh, I love this recording. I love this. Um, I... There are... I can break this album down and if I take out three songs, which is sort of significant, you know, my, if it's like a third of the, uh, almost a third of the CD, but there are three songs in here that are sort of like, like, okay. King's X songs, like mediocre King's X, which is still good. You know, the term, even bad sex is good. You can fill in that word with, you know, even bad pizza is good. You know, even bad King's X is good. Is good. Um, and so those songs, you know, two, three, and four, I think they're called Out of the Blue. That really annoy. Actually, there is a song I really don't like. I don't like repeating myself. That song is, is very annoying. Um, and, uh, and you know what's annoying? My dog making that sound. He wants to go in the other room and hang out with the girls. Um Sorry, that is not the word. Hey, hey, come on, man, that was awesome. All right, um, and then that uh, rocket ship song, I I really don't care for. Uh, well, it's it's okay. Once it starts, I kind of go along with it in the King's X way. But I'll tell you guys, after that, there are some really incredible moments on here. Uh, that I absolutely love, and this there are I went I've gone back to this CD several times, and this like the second half of the CD gets me as excited if not more excited than you know you know the King's X in their you know prime days. And, really? Yeah, and I I I cannot say enough about. Um, you know, stuck in the middle. I think it's called "Lie." Um, it's called uh, "Live Again," and there are just some in my sort of weird world. They're like perfect songs, and I would, you know, put those songs up against anything that they've done uh, in the uh, you know the best years of King's X, whatever that is. But um, you know, in the 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 our, our sort of favorite King's X 
songs, and I um, am really happy. I, w I was really happy with this CD, and um, you know, the first song is a sort of like really ballsy song, and yeah. it's like they make a statement and it's done in an original way and it's a, it's a fun song and it, it it's it's just it's great and it's sort of new you know we haven't really heard a song like this from king's x i mean if you really dissect it um and then um there are some really great ty Tabor songs on the second half of this cd uh, and uh, it was because of these songs that I was like, wow, I really want to hear more from, um, you know, what Ty Tabor's doing. And, you know, the, I, I don't know, I, I, I just was really, really uh, excited about the CD. And um, I plan on, you know, having this on steady rotation. And that being said, I'm, you know, I'll probably skip the second and third song anyway, because those are, uh, you know, not really up to par with the other things. But um, oh. I think this is a, this is, this is a, a great, great CD. And um, I, I, this brings up something that, you know, maybe, you know, we should bring up more so at the end, but, you know, this was their last studio recording. And, um, there are a lot of songs that ties more songs that Ty sings, and then you go to Doug and Ty, and then back and forth, and you kind of realize maybe that this was the last studio recording from King's X because they were like, well, we we sort of ran the gamut with King's X stuff, and now the stuff that we're recording is just really. Thai songs and then Doug songs and then Thai songs and then Doug songs. Why would we, you know, keep going under the header of King's X when we can just do, you know, try some new things uh, under our own umbrellas? And um, so I guess from here, you know, I look forward to hearing. I mean, I had heard some, you know, was it called Sound Pound or whatever, um, you know, Doug, Doug stuff. But I did hear some of that, and I, I enjoyed it. But I, I sort of understand why it was their last recording um, based upon how many solo recordings they've done since. And, I mean, I wish they did more stuff under King's X because I think the three of them, when they come together, it becomes magic. Um, but I'm sort of it paints a picture to me as to why it may have been the last studio recording because i mean 2008 was a while ago i mean you know in modern times it doesn't seem like it's that long ago but uh, as far as like not having a studio recording um that was that was that was a while ago so um you know it it sort of it went out with a bang to me but it also it also sort of painted a picture as to why it was their last studio recording but i i i really like the cd yeah. So I did not even know, like, for whatever reason, this point in time in, in the world, 2005, 2008, 
like I must have been living in like a bubble because I never knew when albums were coming out, you know. And um, I went and saw King's X open up for Extreme. So Extreme put an album out around the same time called The Saw Dads of Rock or something like that. And they went on a small club tour to promote that album. And King's X opened up for them. And they played at the Chameleon Club in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, which was a club that I frequented many, many times during my college days out in Millersville. And I was like thrilled to go there because I love the Chameleon Club. It's a great place. To, it's a fun place to see a band. And I was blown away by the idea of seeing both Extreme and King's X, but I was really excited to see King's X and, and hear them because it had, at that point in time, I don't even, I don't think I had seen them since the, the Ear Candy tour. So it was a good 10, 10 years or so. And I want to say, I don't know, I, I should go, just go on the set list. I want to say the two songs that they played from this album was Pray and Go Tell Somebody. And the energy that they played those songs with was unbelievable. It was great. And, and then they just played sort of a best of set. And they only, they only had like an opening set. So I think they only played like maybe 40 minutes tops, 45 minutes tops. And I went with my neighbor, Heath, who was a big Nuno Betancourt fan, had never heard of King's X really, only like It's Love, you know, had Faith, Hope, Love in his collection from Columbia House, but never really listened to it. And, you know, among other things that night, they played We Were Born to Be Loved. And that pretty much hooked my neighbor on on King's X. And I, I came back and and picked up this uh, the CD. And you know I I've always liked it. It's it's never like it's it's I've always liked it. And I you know I'm I love the fact that the Dragon Breath bass is back on this on this record because it kind of went away in overtones. Um, I love the fact that it's back and it makes an appearance a few times. And I, this is to me, this is like Ogretones Part Two. Everything on it, I listen to it. It's cool, and it does it. It doesn't. I'm 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 not necessarily in the same camp with you, Tom. I don't think this song, this album's ever getting in steady rotation for me. It's it's um. You know, it's more, it's, it's, it's just another King's X album that I can't find anything wrong with, but, but it, it, it just doesn't really turn me inside out. Okay. Joe? And I feel terrible about saying this stuff because I love these guys <laughs> so much. Well, I love, you know, I, I, <laughs> And I think I expressed this at the top of the episode. You know, I feel pretty much the same way. There is there is nothing about either one of these albums that, you know, makes me want to hurl myself off the roof, nor does it make me want to, you know, sing their their praises from the roof either. Um, you know, that it's they're they're good, they're solid, they're they're better, you know, than I would have maybe thought they would be. Um, but here again, they're you know they're they're not Gretchen Ghost in Nebraska. We've already had that discussion. What I find interesting, and, and you know, tying this in, Tom, to to your 
sort of acceptance of, you know, King's X not doing any more studio albums. Um, you know, it, it's funny because obviously they're still touring. So there's, there's some value there or they just like to play together. I'm not quite sure which. And, and I, and I go back and I think about, you know, bands like Marillion and Yes, which we've already talked about, and we haven't even gotten through all of the Yes catalog. But there are, you know, when, when you have a band that's together for that long, um, you know, it, and, and it, it's never fair when you talk about musicians, I think, in the very first stage of their career, because, and we've had this discussion as well, and I want to say Carter actually brought some of the, there's some physiology involved here as well. Young people are more creative. They're more emotive. They're, you know, they're able to capture whatever that, that is. And, and, you know, in the case of, you know, and I think Seal had made the, the argument, you know, you have 21 years or you know whatever some long number of years to write material for your first album and you have 18 months to write material for your second album right but but at the same time when you look at you know obviously you know if you if you look at the first part of the marillion catalog there's a lot of energy there there's a lot going on um yes the same way you get that you know the yes album fragile and close to the edge and it's just you know it's right out of the gate it's it's all over fantastic wonderful and both of these bands kept going for long periods after that. And you get these stretches where you don't have that sort of game-changing record. Until you do. Until you get, you know, a Marbles, or in my case, Sounds That Can't Be Made, and a Fear. Or in the case of Yes, until you get, a, you know, a, a 90125 or, a, or The Ladder or Fly From Here. You know, and, and and it's just a matter of, you know, from the outside, and I don't know, but it seems like it's a matter of just sort of slogging through the the lean years until, you know, that that the planets align and that spark hits and you get that, you know, that that next thing. And it's not, you know, like the ladder <laughs> is not close to the edge. It's not 90125, but all three of those albums are spectacular. Fear is not marbles, and it's not clutching at straws, but they're all spectacular. And and again, there are big spaces in between. So, you know, that's that's kind of what I view these albums at. These are the spaces in between. They're not mm -hmm. bad. They're not great. Um, and, and I think if you know if it were up to me, I'd I'd keep them going. And, and wait for that next, you know, magical moment to hit. Hmm. Yeah, you, that, you said a lot of good stuff there, Joe. Um, I was a little distracted, but um, you are right on. And perhaps, perhaps to summarize in a very far less eloquent manner, um, these guys are old, right? And um, and I and I and I I think you hear it in this album. I think you start to hear it in Manic Moonlight, but Overtone somehow it goes away. 
But I think in this album, you start to hear a little bit of that oldness creep in. Um, and, and what happens after this is that they say, okay, we're not going to record any more albums. We're just going to go out and tour because we can make money touring, you know, you know, between 300 and a thousand room, you know, seat rooms and, and continue to, uh, you know, earn some money and, you know, why bother, you know, recording albums when, you know, people, you know, are pretty happy with the catalog that we have. And, and they seem to do, they seem to find better, I don't know if it's better, but they seem to find more creative outlets doing, doing other things. And, um, you know, so I think you're right. I agree. The latter is not close to the edge, although it's quite good. Um, just wanted to throw that in there. Jeez, uh, uh, you know, and I'll, I'll tell you what, as we're talking through this, Ty Tabor is releasing uh, a solo album right now. And I don't, I don't know if you've seen any of the videos for it. Um, there's a song called Freight Train and there's another song called Johnny Guitar. He's got videos for. And I got to tell you, they're terrific songs. Really? And so like, the fire is still there. And, um, you know, and he's going for it. You know, that's, I think, the coolest thing about it. Like, he is digging in. He's singing hard. He's playing hard. It's, it's, it's kind of fun to see it, to see it, uh, to see it happening. And they are threatening to go in and, and do another King's X record. And I'm excited for it because I don't, I, I think after going through all of this and, and being older now and, and, and just, I don't know, just being an old fart. I don't think I'm going to, I'm going to look at their next album. I'm going to purposely not think about this as, okay, this is the, you know, 13th, whatever, 14th album that they've done. And I am now going to compare it to everything that came before it. I'm, I've, I'm just going to take it for what it is and enjoy the hell out of it that these guys are taking the time to make, uh, to make music. Yeah. Well, um, yeah. And, yeah. And that's one of the things that, that I've sort of learned through all of this, you know, especially through Marillion is, or, and, and even yes, you know, when I think about fly from here, you don't know when you're going to get any more of these albums. So you, yeah. you really have to just, you know, accept them for whatever they are and be happy that you have another one to listen to that when you go into your binge mode, you've got that much more material. Yeah. Right. I think for the, for the, um, the, the forced ranking Kings X episode, we should also create our very own, like each person should create a separate release of Kings X would be singles. Every <laughs> That's a great idea because, um, that comes up a lot, you know. It, would their career have gone differently with the different singles? And it seems like that's a common thread throughout their um, career. And we were, we're always second guessing their their choices. But um, that's that's a really good idea. Yeah, you know what's funny about you know they, this album was the first album that actually charted for them since Ear Candy. So it really? had been. 
it had been 12 years since they had a charting album on the Billboard Top 200. Huh. And granted, it peaked at 145, so that's not <laughs> really, you know, get you anywhere. But, you know, it it was it charted on the independent album charts at number 12. So so whatever they were doing in the in the inside out uh days the michael wagoner production days like whatever they were doing it was it was working right they were getting a little bit more exposure they were getting themselves back in the game and um and and maybe they just decided you know they you know they were they were they had had enough like why go in and keep making these albums and, and putting us through this when we can just do whatever we want and just tour whenever we want because that's how we're making money i don't know um you know, and, and it, I, I don't know how long after this was that um, that Jerry, because Jerry's had a couple of heart attacks. Um, so I don't know how much further beyond. So I guess it was 2012. So it was about four years after this. Um, you know, and I and I definitely I don't. I think they had already been in their in their days of of tour, you know, touring. Um, but let's face it, you know, these guys are these guys are getting a little old, a little older. Um, and uh, you know, Jerry's uh, Jerry's fifty nine, sixty, something like that. I think Doug is older. Um, Uh, I think Ty might be the the baby of of the band. Goodness, Doug is Doug was born in 1950. He's a good nine years older than uh, than Jerry. So, um, Doug, Doug is 67 years old. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Okay. Well, so he he's right up there with John Anderson. Wow! Amazing. Okay, that, that is that is amazing. And Ty is uh, born in 1961. He's no he's no spring chicken either. Although he still has the long flowing locks and the cool guitar licks. Of course he does. Of course. All right. Well, you know, I like I said, I don't I don't have anything else really to add to to 15 or King's X at this point. Um. I do think, like I said, we should go back in in a few weeks. Um, perhaps we'll have a special concert series edition on King's X. Perhaps not. We will see. And um, but I definitely think we should circle back and uh, and and have our our album ranking and or our uh, be single discussion. Do you guys have anything else in terms of of fifteen or the the catalog in general at this point? <laughs> I have. I have one last thing to say, um, and and this this is kind of this kind of goes back to your point of um, what you were saying. What you were saying, Joe? Oh, jeez, sorry. <laughs> wow. Um, this kind of goes back to what you were saying about. Uh, Alice on a Planet and Gretchen Goes to Nebraska and how they didn't like that sound. They didn't feel that that sound represented them. And and so I'm gonna I'm going to post a video that goes all the way back to Ear Candy, probably on this episode, 
of a demo of Doug demo of thinking and wondering. It's on YouTube, and I and I think this sort of I think captures that sentiment, right? When you listen to this demo, you're like, "Damn, that is a heavy rock and song." And when you think about what appears on Ear Candy, it's acoustic, right? It's a it's 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 acoustic song. And I always thought it was really cool how they did the it was like an acoustic grunge song, if you will. And I always thought that that was really cool. The demo is not that way at all. And I just think that it it sort of captures, you know, maybe the what gets lost in translation between. You know, when these guys write a song and when they get it through to the studio, you know, what 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 could happen? And I don't know what just made me think of that, but I'm going to I'm going to put it up there anyway. Cool. Thomas. Uh, guys, I don't know if I have anything um, uh, further to say about 15 other than. Um, it was, uh, gee, I think my dog has a few things to say. Um, <laughs> hey. Um, other than I, I think I, I, I liked it a bit more than you guys. And um, these these last few songs were a real breath of fresh air um, for me. So um, I think I, I was, all I'm saying is uh, I was happy to end on such a high note. Um, nice. On the last, great. certainly the last half of fifteen, uh, it was definitely yeah. a high note for me. So, um, very happy to <laughs> hear. I listen, it. Next time I listen to fifteen, Tom, I'm going to start halfway through. Um, see if it changes my. Um, start uh, on track five. Okay. So start on track five. I mean, it's really, really, really good stuff. That's Julie. That track. Yeah. Not to be confused with Julia. Right. 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 I think doesn't um, Jerry sing Julie? Does Jerry sing yeah. Julie? I believe so. Yeah. Okay. Cool. I will do that. All right. Well, gentlemen, thank you very much. It has been a wonderful journey, and I look forward to continuing it um, with our 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 sort of review episodes and or um, associated solo stuff. And, and I'm excited to hear this this new tie record, Paul. You really uh, made it sound good. Cool. Oh yeah, check out check out the videos on uh, on YouTube for sure. so much for listening to this episode of Progressive Palaver. We hope you've enjoyed the conversation. As always, we've enjoyed sharing it with you. We've uh, certainly had a great time going in and considering the King's X catalog in its entirety. Um, we certainly welcome your thoughts and your comments, your feedback, whatever, uh, whatever you may want to share. You can reach us on all the normal modes of social media. We are on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as progpala, P-R-O-G-P-A-L-A on all of those, or you can always email us at progpala at gmail.com. Progressive Palaver is, as always, available for subscription on both iTunes and Google Play, and we are hosted on SoundCloud. 
We look forward to uh, continuing the palaver next episode as we move into a new band when we will start to consider Rush. <laughs>